Hello everyone, once again we're back with Mississippi Vibes. I'm back again, it's Bert. Tonight I have a special guest on, Dr. Tiffany L. Williams. Um, She's a mental illness therapist. And tonight we're going to talk about mental illness in the black community. Thank you for joining, joining us tonight. I'm going to bring Dr. N so we can go ahead and get started. Once she comes on, she'll be here in a second. Just loading her up. Dr. Williams, how you doing? I'm well, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Once again, I want to thank you for this opportunity to interview you so we can have this conversation about mental illness in the black community. If you'd like to introduce yourself to everyone so we can get started. Yes, yes, hello, good evening, everyone. I am Dr. Tiffany Williams. I am a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Florida, and I provide mental health services um, through my private practice, Masterpiece Counseling Services, helping you be the master of your Thank you, thank you. So we'll get right into the, um, a few questions that I have for you. Why do you feel the African-American community is more willing to seek help? Um, that is a really great question and a question that um, is asked a lot of the times, especially um, asked of us um, clinicians in the mental health field. Um, and those, of course, of us who are in the African-American community and working with the African-American community. And, of course, that is likely due to the, the stigma that is assigned to mental health and to reaching out for help. So for instance, one of the long-standing stigmas is that if you reach out for help, if you go to counseling, that that means you are crazy um, or that something is wrong with you. So, you know, going to get help is synonymous with I, that there's something wrong with me or I'm broken or, you know, I have, I have something that is incurable. Um, so of course that prevents us from seeking treatment um, like we should. Yes, ma'am. Why do you feel, why does our culture feel counseling isn't a route to take? Well, again, it, you know, it's linked to the stigma and also I think to the longstanding history in this country of um, being used as guinea pigs by, you know, health professionals and just the mistrust of the, the health health professional um like you know health professions doctors and right. things of nature there is a huge mistrust so it's it's on the one hand you know i don't want to be labeled i don't i don't want to carry on this stigma i don't want people to think that something is wrong with me and that i'm crazy but on the other hand there is a true deep-seated mistrust understandably so um especially with some of um, the, the older generations you know they that is something that was true and real for them um, you know, being, uh, you know, experimented on without their permission and things of that nature. So there is a huge distrust for the, the health community in general. Wow. I didn't know that they was being experimented on back in our ancestors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think of the Tuskegee experiment, if you think of Henrietta Lacks, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but, you know, these particular individuals, yes, they were experimented on without their consent. So, you know, there again, there is a deep-seated distrust for the health community, period, um, because of, of that, you know, going on in history. Okay. So tell me, how can counseling help kill the family cycle of mental illness? Hmm. Well, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say kill. Um, I think that that word is it, 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 a little, uh, well, <laughs> it's, it's very loaded. Okay. Um, I, I, would, I, I would say, you know, how can counseling help repair um, the family structure? How can counseling build insight into um, you know, family, family um, uh, systems and how we how we, we, we 
react to each other and 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 some of the things that are are longstanding within our family systems um you know some people talk about you know things that are passed down from generation to generation yes. you know some people talk about generational curses how is it that we can become insightful and knowledgeable about why these behaviors are happening why why is there a pattern within our family so that we can we can you know be more insightful and do better and do things differently so that that doesn't carry on. So with that being stated, I think that therapy is one of those things that, again, if you are with a, a trained professional, someone who is very much trained in dealing with families and family systems, they can help you be more insightful about your behavior. And, and, and it's not just the, the family system in itself more insightful about the behaviors, about, you know, the longstanding things within the family that, again, family members can, you know, be more in control, so to speak, of how they maneuver through the family and and also make that choice to, I'm going to change. Here's the thing. You can't change what you don't know. And so therapists can help with that process, help facilitate that process towards healing towards you know um you know just a, a better family system okay that's great so what are the clear signs of a person having mental health uh, illness well the the signs and symptoms they vary um so I, I don't want um individuals watching to think that if they have experienced one of the symptoms that I'm, I'm going to name that they have a mental health concern but usually what I tell individuals, especially lay persons, persons that are really familiar, but you know, they definitely want to help, they want to be a mental health advocate, is if you notice that your friend, your family member, your loved one, whoever, has a shift in behavior. So they're not themselves. Um, you notice that you know some of the things that they used to do, they don't do anymore. They seem a little more reclusive to themselves. Or even if you notice that there's a shift in their mood, you know, they're crying more or they're a little more irritable. They have, you know, less patience. Then that may be an indicator um, that they are experiencing a mental health issue. And sometimes it's not even a mental health issue. It's just, you know, being a human being and dealing with life. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I try to tell people, too, that, you know, not everything that you experience um, you know, thought-wise, whether it's disturbance in your thoughts or disturbance in your mood, means that you have a mental health, mental health illness. It may just mean that you have a lot going on. Um, your situation that you're dealing with is extremely overwhelming, and the coping strategies that you normally would implement are not working anymore. And that's not to say that, you know, again, that you're crazy or something is wrong. It's just that, oh my gosh, like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm not sure what to do, and your body normally is going to naturally react the way it needs to react in order to protect you. Whether that means getting irritable, crying, whether that means you know, shutting down, that's just what it's going to do. So in, in a particular case, I say myself. Okay. Just say for instance, if you was in a room with me and someone else and mm -hmm. a disagreement would start mm -hmm. and I would get loud, cuss, lash out. Mm -hmm. Say what I had to say. Then five minutes later, I act if, you know, that just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. As a professional, would that be a sign of what you just said? He's having a bad day. He don't know how to cope with certain things. Or would your switch go straight to, oh, he has a mental illness? No, definitely as a mental health professional, I would have to, I can't just, you know, look at somebody and say, oh, he has a mental health illness. Right. No, that's how it works. <laughs> you know, um, as a professional, I would have to sit with that person, look at the broader picture, assess everything that is going on, and then come to that conclusion. But what I will say is from, you know, just the observation, wow, you know, that was a big much or that was kind of, you know, over the top, or right. you know, there would be a note. I, I, I'm going to notice that was 
different or out of the ordinary or or rude or just out of place. Um, but then too, <laughs> it, it depends on the person. Um, if if you're normally not like that, if you're a, a typical docile person, you take things in stride and you know, it's like the argument ensues, you're just like, okay, whatever, and this is how you present yourself, then that made you like, ding, 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 okay, what's going on? Because normally, he's pretty cool, he's pretty laid back. So that, yes, that would, that would raise eyebrows for me. Okay. So have you seen a, an increase of people wanting therapy, especially of, um, of color since the quarantine, you know, this COVID-19, everything's going on? Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I have. Um, yes, for, I wanted to, for the past month, for the past month, I have probably had at least, I know for a fact, at least one inquiry a week if, or a day. Okay. Three weeks since um, the quarantine has started. And I think it's because, again, we are in our homes. We are uh, stationary, and we have our families close to us. Some of us who have children, uh, you know, there we're with our you know family members constantly. Uh, not only that, we're having to operate in dual roles or multiple roles that we're probably not used to being in. For instance, a lot of parents are now being parent and teacher. Um, and, and I don't know about most parents, but from what I've been hearing, a lot of them are like, this teacher mask is, is uh, it's for the birds. Um, right. So you're having to take on certain roles, put on certain hats that you're just not used to. And of course, with anything where you're learning something or doing something different, there's this shift that, that has to happen. And a lot of times under normal circumstances, we have time to shift. We didn't have time to shift. It was like, okay, schools are closing. Here, get your laptop. Here's the internet stuff that you need to learn real quick. And then, you know, boom, you need to be there, present with your kid and go over homework and learn how to teach them. It's, it's a lot. So we're, we're inside, we're with our family. We're operating in different roles that we're not used to. But the other thing is too, we are, we're, we're slowing down. And a lot of the things that we will be doing that would distract us from what it is, our problems, our issues, we don't have that anymore. We don't have those distractions. I can't go out and party to forget about my problems. I can't go and travel and run away from my issues. They are here, right here in my face. And so what is happening is they're resurfacing and a lot of individuals are not able to cope, not able to deal with it. And so there's a lot of things that are going on that are increasing people's, and of course with COVID-19 period, people are just afraid, they're fearful, you know? And on top of that, you have individuals who are, who have loved ones that are sick or in the hospitals right now, who have loved ones that have passed away. And not only that, we're not able to participate in the, the grief rituals that come along with, the, right. you know, someone who passed. So we're grieving. We're not able to participate in these rituals. We have family members that are sick. COVID-19 has a scared. Um, there's just a lot of things that are going on. And so, yes, people are reaching out for help because they just don't know what. This is like a collective trauma, honestly, what we're going through. And people are not used to this. They don't know what to do. And so, yes, they are reaching out for help. Um, I think another thing that adds to people reaching out for help is the fact that a lot of employees, or I'm sorry, employers are pushing forward um, like their EAP benefits, employee assistance uh, program benefits. They're, they're pushing, you know, hey, here's this service, go talk to someone if you need to. So um, a lot of times people don't really know that they have these benefits. And so now that you know, employers are saying, hey, utilize this benefit. People are more aware of it, so they're taking advantage of it. Okay. So when when you get a call like this or when you see people in this situation, what's your top three tools to handle dealing with stress? How, when when you go to a client or a client reach out to you, what, what's your top three? 
I mean, I didn't, they're all, you know, what, what the coping strategies that I use with my clients, they, they vary, vary client to client. Um, because we okay. have, of course, tips for it based on the client's presentation, based on the client's strength, based on the client's support system. Um, but I'm, I'm a firm believer in, of course, movement. I'm a firm believer in maintaining um, physical health. And when you're physically healthy, of course, you're mentally healthy. So, of course, my, my go-to would be get movement, get some exercise in. And I tell people all the time, you don't have to have a gym. To work out to get moving you can go outside you could jump rope jumping jacks push-ups you know they, there are a lot of exercises that can be done in order to get you moving and, and, and maintain you know a, a healthy body uh getting outside is just a, another thing that everyone can do you know vitamin d that sun that vitamin d helps with your mood Okay. Um, so getting outside and just being a part of nature and also to it just kind of breaks up the monotony of everything again everyone is stuck inside the house so you know getting out getting some fresh air getting some sun um is, is a good thing well i will say this i'm in florida so right. sun for us is pretty easy so right. <laughs> if you're in a state if you're listening and you're in a state that sun isn't you know uh at your disposal as much then i'm sorry but yes, here in Florida, you know, the sunshine face, the sun is, is good to us. Um, and then too, you know, writing. I, I firmly believe in writing. You, when we don't have that outlet, especially if you don't have a therapist or if you um, don't really have a, a significant other or a support system where you can bounce things off of, I believe in writing. So journaling, um, and it doesn't have to be anything long and extensive. I think a lot of people, when they when they think about journaling, they think of like Aaliyah's four-page letter. It's like, no, you don't have to you know, write a four-page letter, even if it's just at the top of the morning and you have this certain thought and it, it, it may invoke like a negative um, emotion or even if it's something that's just, you know, huh, something that I want to ponder on, write it down. It's almost like I think when you write it down, it takes it gets it out of your head and onto the paper, and it's right. it's less traffic okay. <laughs> in your head. Um, so yes, writing is is the last thing that I would say do. So yeah, exercise, get outside, get some sun, and get to writing. Okay, do you feel as an African American, do you feel? someone of another race is a good combination when a person is seeking therapy should they seek therapy within a race with a professional because understanding somewhat of the the background the history of the african-american culture what 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 was, what's your suggestion on that I, again, I think it's all individual. People have their own, you know, personal preferences as, as to what they want out of um, the experience. Uh, for those who, because we do have a, a lot of African-Americans are just now like coming into embracing um, going to therapy. And so there's this uncertainty of how to navigate that. What does that look like? How, what do I look for in a therapist? How do I find a therapist? And so I always encourage individuals, you know, interview, interview people, call people up and say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And I want to know, you know, what is your credentials, your background? How can you help me get to a place where I am not dealing with my personal illness and interview those individuals and, and match yourself based on who you believe can be able to provide you with the services that you that meets your individual specific needs. The other thing is, is when you get connected with a therapist, it's almost like a trial period in a sense. You know, if I if I come and I see you and the first two sessions, I'm, we're just not clicking. I'm like, ooh, I just don't feel comfortable with you or or there's something because it happens. It happens. Okay. Um, and be able to say, you know what? I think that this this relationship is, is not good. And I, and I would much rather, you know, seek someone else. For therapy services because I'm just not comfortable enough to disclose to you what is going on with me or whatever it may be. Um, so 
also feeling comfortable with switching therapists if need be. I always encourage people though, you know, make sure you give us some time. You want to at least give one to two at max, probably three sessions, because some of that may be just the uncertainty and the uncomfortability of being in therapy for the first time. Um, and sometimes, you know, that rapport building, it just, it just takes a little more time than usual. Um, but with all of that being said, uh, I think that there is a benefit to going to a therapist who is African-American or a therapist of color um, because, you know, not all black folk are African-American. You know, we have Haitian Americans, we have Jamaican Americans, you know, we have all right. types of black folk. Um, but... I also believe that you can seek counseling from an individual who is not of your race. But here's the thing, what we have to really be conscientious of is, is that therapist culturally competent? So is that therapist able to, you know, somewhat meet you where you, I say somewhat, somewhat meet you where you are and understand and check their own biases at the door? Okay. And that is, feel that, you know, of course has to be cultivated, you have to be trained on and um, it, it, it always, it, it's something that really does come up a lot, especially when um, African Americans are, are trying to seek therapists. One, they don't know where we are. That, that's the first thing. <laughs> it's like, I want a black therapist, but I don't know where they are. And then two, you know, if they do seek therapy from someone who is not, you know, black then it's like they they do feel like man I, I just I just can't connect they don't understand me on things of that nature but there are also some very culturally competent therapists who are not black out there that can assist so again it goes back to what I was saying earlier you know it's it's on a case by case basis it's based on what that person prefers and at the end of the day you just want to make sure that whomever you choose whether they are black or not that they are culturally competent, they are competent, period, in, in, in their uh, field of expertise, and that you feel comfortable with that image. What is mental illness? Oh, just flat out, huh? Yeah. What? That should have been the first question. Uh, I just, you know, I, I want to, you know, we break a little huh? ice and we talk about something. Let's, we'll go and get it. What is mental illness? What? Let's go and get into it. Basically, mental illness is a change in your thoughts and behaviors that impacts your overall daily life, daily function. Um, something that, and it's again, it's your, your thought, your behavior, emotional uh, disturbances that impede your life and your overall function. That's basically what a mental illness is. Just this simple.
highlight to the client that you know it's it, it could potentially be um, genetic and or it could be just environmental. Um, we have we talk about in well in my profession, the social work profession, we talk about nature versus nurture. So is this something that is just a part of me biologically, or is this something that is a part of me based on my environment and and, and how I grew up? Um, you know, there are a lot of um, there's a lot of information out there about you know twin studies. You know, you have a twin twin who grow up in totally different households, have totally different life experiences, yet they have some of the same you know characteristics or or mental health disturbances, things of that nature. Uh, so it's important to highlight those things to the client to almost how can I put it normalize their experience, so to speak. Uh, because I think, again, with mental illness, because there's such a stigma, we tend to equate that to something's wrong with me or something's bad about me. When when we go through like a family history and I can highlight to a client that, well, it looks like, you know, your mom dealt with depression, your grandma dealt with depression, your great grandma dealt with depression. It looks like this is something that is biological. So meaning... This is something that you can't help per se. This is a, you know what I mean? It's, a, it's just it's, a, it's just a part of who you are. So that kind of lifts the, the burden, so to speak, of you know stigma. Like, oh well, it's not that I'm bad, or it's not that I'm I'm faulty, so to speak. Right. It's just something that you know it's a part of who I am. So I highlight that to help them usher in a different uh, look on on their on their diagnosis or how they're behaving as in, you know, this is something that you can't help in essence. Um, but from there, you know, I try not to focus so much on the, the, the past and family history part of it, because I like to move forward with my client. Okay. Well, now that we know this and, and I, you know, we were armed with information, information helps us with change. Now that we have this information, how can we now move, Moving from a state of being completely depressed to actually experiencing life, and in a way that you want to experience it, okay. whether that be happiness, whether full of joy, whatever. How can we move from this state to a state of peace, contentment, and experiencing life to its fullest? How do you communicate with a, a mate, a spouse, a loved one, a friend that hey, I think you need to go get some help? Uh, how you know because sometimes the way we deliver deliver our verbiage to the person it changed the landscape of accepting their words or getting cussed out yes yes I definitely <laughs> <laughs> I definitely understand what you're saying um this I when I used to work with kids um I did children's mental health for about seven years. And of course I had to work closely with the parents and to facilitate any growth or, or treatment progress with kids, you know, you have to get the parent on period. And the parents a lot of times felt as if in some aspects they were punishing their kid or they, they were, uh, just yeah, they were they were like punishing their kid, or they were they were they were seen as a bad guy. They didn't like that feeling, and it was like okay, well, but I need you to work with me and following through with these treatment plan goals so that we get this child's behavior to change. And one of the things, one of the ways I won the parent over is by saying. Listen, everything that you do, you love your kid. You love this kid. You would do anything for this kid. Everything that you do for this kid, especially in the mental health realm, is because you want them to remain safe. Okay. Period. Their safety is paramount. Period. And so that is the, I think that is the, the way we should enter into conversations with our loved ones about, you know, their mental health is like, hey, listen, I've noticed that 
there has been a change in your mood lately. I've noticed that you've been quite irritable. I've noticed that you've been crying a lot. I've, I've noticed X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I'm concerned for your safety. I'm concerned for your mental well-being. I'm concerned for your livelihood. I'm concerned for, for whatever. And I think that maybe you should go see somebody. And I'm not trying to judge you, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, say that you're crazy. All I'm saying is that, you know, your safety is paramount. And I want you to be safe. Whether that be mentally, physically, emotionally, I, spiritually, I want you to be safe. And you can't argue with safety. You can't argue with nobody with that. It's like, oh, you want me to be safe? It's like, you know, how can you cut somebody out when they just want you to be safe? Right. Uh, but yes, if we, if we come at the conversation with, first and foremost, how we feel, you know, what we say, the I statement. So I feel, I feel concerned. I feel, I feel helpless when I see you crying. I feel helpless when I see you struggle. And so when we, you know, come with that, the, the I statement, this is how I feel and this is what I want for you. I want you to change. I want you to be happy. I want you, you know, and then again, hammering in that safety message and I want you to be safe, then I think that that kind of breaks down the wall of um, people being, you know, reactive and defensive about it. Uh, and that, that does win them over, in my opinion. How critical is support from, you know, your spouse, your family, as an, I'm talking about on an adult level, how, how critical is that support from them to get a person to finally seek help. No, it is extremely critical, and especially if you're talking about an individual who is um, in danger of hurting themselves, in danger of hurting someone else. Um, a lot of times we may downplay a lot of people's um, cries for help. Um, and, and so, yes, it is critical that every family member, if you're aware that you get that person the help that they need. Again, especially if they are in danger of hurting themselves or in danger of hurting someone else. If they make a threat to, to hurt themselves, if they say they want to die, if they say they're, they want to hurt somebody else, you know, definitely move quickly um, in supporting that, that person into getting into, you know, mental health treatment, preferably in those instances, um, a mental health facility where that person can be treated immediately and stabilized. Uh, but, you know, when we're talking about an individual that is, you know, just dealing with some depression or anxiety and you're noticing that they're just not functioning like they used to, um, support is like one of the crux of someone's healing during their process. We, we all can't live in bubbles by ourselves. We all need somebody. And so having that support from a family member, from a friend, whomever, uh, does help in individuals maintaining, well, reaching their goals and maintaining their goals. Uh, the, the, the key is, though, having healthy supports. So if you have a spouse that don't believe in mental health, that don't believe in going to therapy, then that's not a supportive individual. We have to have supportive individuals, people who see the need, and are, are willing and able to, you know, help facilitate getting help and maintaining Okay. So support, support from your spouse looks like what is, I know it's not the, I know it's not throwing out that, hey, you crazy or you need, it's not derogatory language. You know, so if, if I'm a spouse that's that you feel that I'm battling with something or I have this up and down mindset, emotions, mm-hmm. how would you come to me? Like, how, what you mean? <laughs> how would you, I mean, when you, let me see how I'm put this. What I think is my normal, something that I've been doing for years. But as you as a spouse, my mate, you seeing me like, what you doing just ain't, that ain't what normal people do. 
mm-hmm. but it's a it's a behavior that's been going on for 20, 30, 40 years. How how we how we directing this? How we doing this? Because most of the time, I know I've been in a situation personally. It was always felt as attack, a jab. You know, hey, you bipolar, you this, you that, and I. My response has always been that I, I just don't like your actions or what you're doing and how you coming at me. I I have to defend myself because I'm a mm-hmm. like you say a laid back person. But if I'm talking to, you know, Dr. Tiff, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm cool. I understand what you're saying. But if you keep pressing me and pressing me, now I done went from zero to 100. And mm-hmm. now you're looking at me like, something is wrong with you, man. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at it like, now nah, I, I asked you several times just to chill and leave me alone. I'm cool. So then it get to... The name calling, the the you know, all the expeditions and all that stuff. So, how do we how do we handle this stuff? Well, I mean, again, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, in that your approach means everything. So, if if the spouse can articulate in a in a healthy way, I am concerned. I am you know frustrated with you know how. You're handling yourself, or you know, it's, it's just it's it's concerning to me, and I, I I want you to get help because I just I'm just concerned about your overall safety, and and I, I want you I want you to be safe. I want you to be whole. I want you to be healed. I think that is it, it, again, it does not incite you know defensiveness. Um, to, I mean, for the most part. It doesn't incite. You may have some people that are just going to be defensive regardless, but you know, it it, it, it it definitely helps kind of quell the situation and soothes the person and has the person be a little more, you know, let me think about it. Let, let me, you know, let me entertain that for for a minute. Um, but if you have an individual, if you're you know, you're that spouse, you have expressed your concerns and that person just regardless, you know, you know, gets very defensive and, and things of that nature and just does not have any insight at all whatsoever to there being an issue, then it sounds like that's a, that's a space for either a couple's counseling or for that one individual, that spouse who is seeing their spouse go through some things, they should probably go to counseling themselves. Because here's the thing, you can't make anybody change, period. All right. So you know, I would encourage you, okay, well, I have a spouse who has, or I suspect has a mental illness. How do I deal with that? So going to counseling to learn how to deal with a spouse who has a mental illness um, and, and, and doesn't think they have one and is not willing to seek treatment. Get some guidance going, you know, in that direction. Okay. When did you realize your passion for helping people as a therapist? <laughs> um... So yes, that was that's a good question, and I tell this story all the time. I um, I actually, when I went to school, I wanted to be a pediatrician. So I started out as a what did I start out as? Oh, biological science major in school, and of course my plan was to go to med school and all that kind of stuff. And because I wanted to be a pediatrician, I decided that I was going to minor in child development and as I you know matriculated through uh, college uh, I want to say around my junior year I said you know what I don't want to do this I you know I just <laughs> being, you know, being going to med school and all of that and I, I just I just didn't want to do that <laughs> but of course I'm a junior now so if, if I switch my major, it, it, would, it would almost be like me having to start all over again because all of, my, all of my classes and stuff like that were focused on med school. So I said to myself, well, I'll just switch. So I made my major child development and my minor was biological science. And that kept me on, on the right path. I graduated when I was supposed to. And my first job was as a targeted case manager for... Um, 
an, an agency here that dealt with, in, with families and kids who were either in the foster care system or um, out of home placement, uh, Department of Children and Families involvement, things of that nature. And what I did was I, I basically helped with wraparound services. And one of the, a part of uh, I, I, the wraparound services was that each kid on my caseload uh, had a therapist within our agency. And there was one day I, because I would transport kids sometimes back and forth to their therapy appointment. And there was one day I had some time on my hand. And um, at that time, it was like you had to bill each service that you did. It was a billable hour or something like that. Please forgive me. This was this was eons ago, so I'm trying to reach back way back in the okay. But we had to to do certain services to bill, and so I had some time on my hands, and I was like, man, I you know I need to do some billing. Let me do something. And I said, well, let me sit in on this kid's therapy session. That way I can learn a little more about what it is that this kid is going through and yada, 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 help with wraparound services. And I'll never forget, it was um, a black female therapist, actually, and she was sitting on the floor with the client and they were looking, it had been about eight years old, and they were doing some drawings and and I'm just watching, like, okay, all right. I hear them talking, and they talking about, you know, just superficial things. But they're coloring, and when it was all said and done, I asked the therapist, I said, well, okay, what, what was all that about? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? What, what is this drawing? What, what's going on? And she was able to explain to me how that child was expressing uh, her worldview and her traumas through the picture. And everything that she described on that picture was everything that the child was going through. And I was extremely fascinated. And I said, well, I can do that. And right then and there, I, after that, I, I went online and I said, let me look up what I need to do to be able to do that. I want to do that. And so I went back to school for social work and got my degree in social work. And actually, when I graduated with my degree in social work, I started working with kids. It, it was just that, you know, mind-blowing to me. And I said, wow, yeah, I really want to be able to work with kids, work with families, work with people, and help them to be able to process that stuff. And I just found that that particular avenue of processing, especially with a kid, coloring, uh, was just so fascinating to me. And I said, yeah, this this is this is my niche. This is what I'm going to do right. for the rest of my life. Well, I'm glad you decided on that. One last question I have for you. When a therapist needs a therapist, <laughs> do you self-evaluate or do you do you actually seek help or you know what's what's your angle have you ever been in that situation to know a colleague or friend who's in the same field that that needed help or you know well here's the thing the, the therapy and, and mental health treatment is no different than any other treatment you can have a, a, a brain surgeon he's not going to do brain surgery on himself you can have, <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Right. Like, a gynecologist is not going to do a vaginal exam on herself. Right. She's going to seek treatment from another gynecologist. So, our profession is no different than any other profession in which, you know, if we need a therapist, we should seek a therapist. Um, and, and, I mean, it's, it's a good thing because here's the thing. In our profession, we deal with I mean, there's an onslaught of stuff that comes our way that can be mentally draining, physically draining. Um, and so we need a space to be able to process that as well. Not only just our personal stuff, but our work stuff. So, hey, any therapist, I'm sure, will tell you that a therapist needs a therapist. A therapist, a therapist is definitely going to advocate for themselves to seek therapy when and if they need it. And they're always going to be open to that and promoting that 
you know, therapists need a therapist, and yes, seek therapy. All right. So you are taking new clients, correct? Every day. Oh well, yes, yes. I'm filling up. I'm filling up so, fast. <laughs> yes. So to the world, how can they? They want to contact. They 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 like Dr. Williams. How would they contact okay. you? How would you handle it so you can have your, you know, tell the people out there how to get in contact with you and. Okay. Um, well, they can always um, go to my website, masterpiececounselingservices.com, and it's spelled M A S T E R P E A C E, masterpiececounselingservices.com. And, uh, you know, my telephone number is on there and everything like that, but I can also get that. Here it code 904 602 Just to let everyone know, I am licensed in the state of Florida. So if you are outside of the state of Florida, unfortunately, I won't be able to provide services. But if you are in the state of Florida, um, I can provide services to you. If you're in Jacksonville, um, well, once, once this, you know, coronavirus is over with, <laughs> you know, I can meet you at the office. But right now, I'm strictly 100% virtual. Um, But anywhere in the state of Florida, I can meet with you. I'm also temporarily licensed in the state of New Jersey, Minnesota, and North Dakota. Um, Because of the coronavirus, a lot of states have opened up um, uh, licensure to other uh, clinicians in different states. So temporarily, I am accepting patients from New Jersey, also from Minnesota and North Dakota. But yes, they can visit my website, Again, www.tiffany, I mean, I'm sorry, that's my other website, www.masterpiececounselingservices.com. They can contact me via phone, 904-602-6714. They can also find me on Facebook, Masterpiece Counseling Services, and I also have an Instagram page, Masterpiece Counseling Services. Um, If they also want to follow my personal page on Instagram, uh, that is Tiffany underscore Epiphany one eight three. That's T I F F A N I E underscore E P I P H A M Y one eight three. Thank you so much. Any last words you want to say? Yes, yes. Um, I just want everyone to please, please, please. Um, you know, don't wait until the house is on fire to call nine one one. I say that to say. If you notice that you know you are feeling a little different, if you know you're you're stressed out, if you know just you just feel off, please pick up the phone, call somebody, get help, utilize the resources that your employer may have. Employee assistance program. A lot of people don't even know that they have that benefit. Most employers um, offer it. You could potentially get between three to five sessions for free because that is a free benefit that your employer offers. Please tap into that. Check into your insurance. See what type of benefits you have with regards to mental health. Get on, um, get online, do a Google search. You can also check out um, therapyforblackgirls.com. They have a directory for women and men to go to um, to seek a, a, a therapist of color in their area. Um, you can also go to therapyforblackmen.com um, for men who want to uh, go there and look for a clinician, a black clinician, black male clinician, you can go there as well. There are a lot of resources out there. We just don't know that they're there. And I'm asking you, I am imploring you to tap into those resources, get the help you need like now. Like don't wait until you're at the, at the brink of a of, of mental breakdown before you seek service. Wow. Well, doctor, I would like to thank you again for taking time out your busy schedule to come on Mississippi Vibes with Bert. It was a great experience. And, you know, we'll be talking again. And I know some people in Florida, so I got your information and I'll be sending you some clients. Uh, Hopefully I could be able to articulate the proper information so they would feel comfortable with seeking help of course of course and they can always know too the other thing is is you know 
you can ask a therapist if, if they offer consultations. So for me, I offer free 15 minute consultations just to kind of, you know, check it out. Hey, I'm not committing. I just want to know, I just want to know about it. (laughs) So ask ask the therapist if they offer consultations. Okay. Well, thank you once again. And I'll see you at another time. Take care. Stay safe. I truly will. Thank you. Don't go to that beach. Don't you, don't you go out don't don't let them folks trick you get out there on that beach now. Uh uh-uh, uh normally normally I would now. Normally right. I would. Love the beach. Trust me, I love right. the beach, but nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> take care of yourself and your family. I surely will. Thank you, you too. Alright, take care. Bye. Bye. So once again, hey, we had a um great time with Dr. Williams. If you need any type of help, any type of a therapist, period. Just, you know, seek out help. If you have a family member, a friend, a spouse, whoever, you know, the doctor said, understand that communication with them is the key to actually get them the help that they need. But once again, I would like to thank you for watching Mississippi Vibes with Burke. Until the next time, which will be Sunday at 6 p.m., I will be talking with Miss Cheryl. Hope I said her name right. She's a domestic violence advocate out of Memphis, Tennessee. So take care of yourself. Until next time, peace. Mm-hmm.